Smith goes for the shot in the back of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. He takes the right for the shot. Oh my goodness me! And you would, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It's the best night of Crawley Town's lives. And there may be more to come. Welcome to episode 17 of the Straight Red podcast. This week we take a trip down memory lane by revisiting that timeless question, Chioffe in or Chioffe out? We also chat away days, community spirit and dare I mention it, well I'll whisper it, the cup run. So yeah here we are episode number 17 and as we have done the last few episodes Jonathan we're going to start with a feedback section. Now we brought up feedback in the last two episodes and it's getting shorter and shorter. Um, I think people don't like this section, so they're not leaving feedback, but there is some and we will get back to it. The first one is an important one. Peter Bellamy, uh, we did quote him in the last episode and he did come back to say he didn't use the word um, negative. I checked back and he didn't use the word negative and this was regards um, comments given to Sam Jordan. So apologies to Peter. Hopefully that's corrected now. Um, Ivan Noel said, excellent as usual. If you think about interviewing a player, I'd like to hear from Jimmy Smith. I would love to interview Jimmy Smith right now. That would be brilliant. Liam Green said, another brilliant podcast. I'll keep my answer short and simple next time. Thank you, Liam. John Lucy, just listened. Another enthusiastic podcast. Most of More of the same, please, gents. On the forum, got to be worth a listen this time. The hot sausage swimming for me. Ooh, matron. Love it. And on Facebook, Jonathan, you're aware of this. We had some negative Facebook on forum. Uh, sorry, the Facebook. And it was about you. Have you. Is this your first time negative feedback? I think it might be. <laughs> so this is my uh, new <laughs> section. It's uh, it's called Straight Red Podcast Bedtime Stories because apparently my voice is so soothing that it'll help you go to sleep. <laughs> sure. And this is the this is the amazing stuff we can do now with this new equipment. <laughs> <laughs> That 500 quid, well spent right there. So on Facebook, we had a message. Obviously, Facebook is a private group. We won't mention the name. But somebody said, get someone without a voice that makes you sleep to talk. Two minutes was too much. I went back because I didn't know he was talking about it at the time. Got a little bit, not defensive, but just wanted to find out. So I said, you only listened to two minutes. Skip forward a bit. It might get better. Well, congrats. At least you've made the episode feedback section. To which he replied, cheers. May listen, just hear my name. It depends. I meant the first dude's voice was dull. Sack Jonathan. <laughs> well, fortunately, here we go. Every time I speak, this background music can follow me. So if you're putting the kids to bed, I hope they sleep well. <laughs> but um, it, it, we, there was a little exchange there, wasn't there? Um, and I think you amicably um, disagreed with each other? Yeah, uh, I mean... I don't obviously don't like my own voice. I don't like hearing my own voice, but um, I would like to think that I don't put people to sleep. But I mean, if you are out there as a uh, someone who employs someone to read bedtime stories, I mean, I'll, I'll give it a go. Is Jack and Ori still going? Well, it might be. Maybe. Um, and one other bit of feedback on Facebook. Uh, love be. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Chioffe Out Brigade, given the team's recent run of form. Oh, how how that's become very relevant recently. We'll come on to that, and. They also said the feedback section has got more amusing. Fantastic. Well, hopefully this uh, we this week's will add to that. And that is the feedback section sorted for this episode. Jonathan, let's move on to the match roundup. 
So the match roundup. Let's be honest, this doesn't end well, but it started not too bad. So the last five games since podcast episode number 16 started with a win against Colchester. Hooray! Let's hope we can match that in the cup, we said. Then we went away to Bradford. I went to an away game, Jonathan. I went to Bradford. How was it? Uh, it was long because the road was closed near Bradford, so we had to make a massive diversion, but it took about five and a half hours. And I've got to say, I went all that way. Um, I was in hospitality. You went all that way to sit in a cosy box. I did. Um, I, I maybe wouldn't have chosen to, but I was very grateful. It was a gift, and it was my father-in-law's son. He is at York University. He came across, so we all went out for the game and enjoyed it in hospitality. And it was lovely. One odd thing happened. When we arrived, a lovely little table for three, when we arrived, the um, chap said, you're the guys from Crawley, aren't you? So <laughs> I'm guessing we were the only three in there. And he said, um, would you mind not cheering if you score? <laughs> and I was a little bit blank-faced. And I thought, is he joking? Or... And he said, yeah, it's just not good for the box if you cheer. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't... Clearly, they don't get many away it fans in their box. Odd. Um, on the game itself... First 15 minutes gave them too much um, appreciation, too much sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We respected them too much. First 15 minutes got punished. Then we got into the game. Second half started. First first five minutes of that second half gave away another goal. And then we were always, always chasing. I thought it was actually a really good performance. And we got goal back in the second half, of course. Could have scored right at the death as well, that little scramble at the goal. Um, But what the most memorable thing for me at that game was, on right, it was hospitality. So you dress half smart, right? So I had my nice sort of burnt orangey shoes on, looking quite smart. I had a lovely pair of um, purple trousers. Same, oh, oh, no, yeah, it's nice yeah. though. Or chinos or ma- maroon, mate, maroon chinos. Let's okay, call them. Yeah, yeah. And I had a, a blue jumper on, and my raincoat was again like a burnt orange colour. Because it's a nice coordination. Yeah, it was nice. Um, and I didn't realise until eighty minutes I was down. Um, I was like, just sort of looking at my phone or something. And then I realised I was dressed as a Bradford full kit wanker. <laughs> I had orange, maroon, orange. I was wearing a Bradford kit, unknowingly. Um, so that wasn't great. You fit in the box well then, I We've, imagine. We fi- I was the best dressed Bradford fan in that box. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the win, but it was a good performance. One thing that stuck out for me um, at the end, Lewis Young had a half-decent game by the fact that I didn't spot any massive mistakes, which isn't a isn't a massive compliment. But the fact that he didn't do anything terribly wrong was uh, a plus because he's obviously he gets you, pick, he usually is highlighted. He, he yeah. gets picked out for negative mistakes, and he was quite fun at the end. I think four throw-ins in a row, he gained about ten yards down the touchline. The fans in the stand, we were in the big one, of course, going absolutely nuts. I was laughing; it was brilliant. <laughs> um, and so, no win on that game, Jonathan. The next away game. You went to Newport. Yes, we're covering all the long trips, aren't we? Yes, travelled all the way to South Wales. Uh, no, I did. Well, I mean, I did at one point, but I was there for work anyway in Cardiff, so I thought I'd make the the short trip down the uh, down the train line to uh, to Newport to see how the Reds would get on. And it, unfortunately, it wasn't as straightforward as I imagined. Well, I turned up at the stadium um, a little bit early just to, because I didn't have a ticket already. I was buying one on the uh, on the gate. And the guy um, who was tr- selling me the ticket didn't believe that I came from Crawley. And unfortunately, I didn't have my driving license or anything with my address on. And because the only proof of anything that I come from was Cardiff, I he th- thought... I think, it was you know, your Wel- I think it was your Welsh accent. Well, yeah. <laughs> Clearly my Welsh accent. Please tell me you said, do you know who I am? 
<laughs> well, I should have. I should have said, Do you, don't you know I co-host the number one Crawley Town podcast? But uh, that did, did spring to mind, so but then you, I didn't think that would work. You were in the away end, the I home w- end, sorry. Uh, Yes, in the home end, yes. Oh, what uh, are we doing? What yeah. are we doing wrong? <laughs> sort of sneaking in between them all. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the one goal that we did score from the from the penalty spot, obviously great um, great to see that happen. I had to keep myself a little bit muted, not going to lie. I did give it a little fist pump under, under my uh, jacket. Um, <laughs> that could have gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you might have been escorted out of the stadium. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Another risky episode, eh? Um but yes, no, that was that was uh, a, an interesting experience to be amongst the uh, the Welsh fans. Um, but again, nothing really to cheer about, to be honest. So probably of all games to go to, probably one of the safer ones to be in the uh, opposite end. And uh, I've just realised we went to every single game this month. Oh wow! There Look we at go. Us. Um, but anyway, on to Swindon. Mm. We were we both sat next to each other for this game. We were commentating on this game for the AD commentary. Just appalling. I mean, I I went home to speak to the father-in-law. I said, it's the worst I've seen in maybe 12 months. Just the the lack of effort was appalling. Probably didn't show up, did they? Awful. Really didn't show up. And I thought, you know, maybe they'll show up in the second half because usually, like you've seen as well, probably have been a bit slow to turn up to games. And, you know, maybe coming out to the second half, they'll give it a go. But... Unfortunately not. You know what? There was no leader. There was nobody on the pitch running the show. I know Dallison was captain, but there was no Danny Bowman. There's no uh, Jimmy Smith, no Josh Payne. Nobody there running that centre midfield. Um, just I don't want to talk about it too much because it, it was that bad. There, there was, there's nothing to highlight whatsoever, I think, whatsoever. Um, and just bizarre substitutions coming about as well. We're 2-0 down and he takes Nadison off to put Alarakia on. The substitutions are absolutely bizarre. Um, and let's, should we just go on to Colchester? Should we just get out of the way? Yeah, I mean, it's the elephant in the room, isn't it? Um, and it's the thing that we don't want to talk about, really, is it? Unfortunately, we're now out of the cup. And it really hurts to say, but again, last night, well, Crawley really didn't show up again, did they? I mean, uh, the first, I will say, the first 20 or so minutes up to that Danny Bullman absolutely thronker of a shot absolute beauty it's probably going to be joining those highlights that they play at the beginning of the of the game you know the commentary highlights we'll, we'll come on to that um yeah cracking shots Crawley were really in it really getting the ball down the final third in the opposition's final third and then obviously that quick comeback goal really I think shocked Crawley and they never really seemed to get a foothold in the game again never ever recovered from that equaliser just absolutely all the guts went out of them all the oxygen went out of the lungs um and again just an absolute Lack of passion and effort and drive, is it's just disappeared. Um, and where's it gone? Who knows? I think the lineup was bizarre as well. I completely get putting Lion Baller in goal. That's a reward for getting through the first, second, third round. But at what point do you go? This could be worth half a million quid. And what? At what Who point would you have had in the team instead? When I saw Lion Baller in goal, I didn't question it too heavily because he has been good in goal but then you look at the game you look at that first goal for Colchester and you've got to say Morris would have saved that it was straight at him from about eight yards out um I I, I genuinely believe Morris would have saved that and then it's a different game the free kick the second goal it wasn't top corner it was hit the bar just yeah, it comes le- off the back of Lumbula, I, I get think. that but it was just left to center I still yeah, think yeah. Morris would have got to that as well the third, the third goal was a good half decent goal that's absolutely fine Luke Gambin of all players as well I know 
How does that feel? It's painful, isn't it? Um, but going back to the lineup, you've got. I I completely get that you've got people coming back from injury, so they need to rest. But when you've got ANG on the bench, you've got Palmer on the bench, you've got Nadison on the bench, and you're starting the guys like Alarakia. Um, now a second, I will. Stick up for Alaraki here, yeah. right? Last night, I thought he did a pretty good job, as in he was his work rate was good. He got into good positions at points, and also he made some good runs. And also Bullman as well, I thought was great. I mean, he obviously got Bullman the man of the match. He put in a, a massive shift. But in particular, Alaraki for for a player who we, in the nicest way, don't expect much of, and also in previous games also has raised question marks as to why he's been put in the team. I thought. Did did a good job for for the the calibre that we we've known him for so far. Fine, um, Bullman absolutely dominated that midfield. Completely. And really needed him as well. Missed you know that what? kind of captain a- a- figure. And he put the likes of Ferguson to shame as well with his work effort. Um, another guy, Bloomfield. I don't know why he still start. I don't know what he offers. Okay, if Palmer hasn't got an hour or or ninety minutes in him. Don't wait till we go down to put him on. At least try and get ourselves into this game. It's the biggest game in five years. Why have you not started with your strongest team? Why on earth, if we are chasing a game, do you bring Cissé off and put Young on? Why do you switch your right backs when you're chasing a game and you need to score goals? Absolutely bizarre. I don't get it. And a little thing here with Young again, not to pick up on him, but some of his moves down the down the right wing and and his cross he, he basically just crosses in regardless he doesn't stick his head up a little tip i would just you know nod your head up a little bit first before you cross see who's in there a lot of the time if he'd waited a second or two later Ollie Palmer probably would have got on the end of some of his crosses because the striker was running in. He just needed to look up first and then cross. You almost get the impression that the players don't even trust now don't want to start sounding like the manager, but just the whole process and the the way they're set up and do they trust each other? Do they think they've got the best 11 on the field? I doubt it. Um, and you look to people like Jimmy Smith and you think him and Danny would be just running that midfield completely differently. Um, we've got no big units. You look at Nublay last night. My God, he's absolutely huge and he's agile. He can get into the box as well. We haven't got players like that. That is what we miss. It's those players with absolute years of experience. Let's name Philippe Moraes, for example, Romain Vincelo, who have both gone under Chioffi. Those type of guys. It's all well and good having the young players from the non-league that you can pull through and push and hopefully bring on for a couple of years and sell for money. We're 17th in the league. It, it ain't working. Get some players in with experience and get a manager that they can trust in and isn't going to leave or make them leave when, when he gets questioned. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy, Smith, Jimmy Smith has been quoted apparently. He won't come back until Geoffrey's gone. Oh. So get Chioffi uh, out and get Jimmy Smith back. Well, we'll come on to this later in our uh, big question. And just before we do move on from this, uh, I realise we've spoken about this for quite a bit now, but you want opinions from me. Here are some opinions from <gasps> me. Okay. Two things. First thing, players like Norris yesterday from the opposing team who constantly just fall to their feet so easily after being brushed from behind really, really, really annoy me about football. That's something that really, really gets me, okay? Now, I know he played into the referee's hands because the referee did give away quite a few free kicks for Norris. Sometimes I will say the referee 
didn't and fair play to him for seeing that uh that Norris was just falling down so easily but that, you know I just watched it so often from the commentary position very easily Norris just looked to the linesman every time he went down to his knees looking for that sort of uh, advantage to be given to him and it just really really gets me because it's like you're just playing the game divisively and it, in a bad way I think the worst example of that was was Swindon um, uh, at the weekend as well I mean, just horrific refereeing every single... I don't recall sort of 90 seconds in the first half where there was just a 90-second passage of play without somebody going down, injured, physio coming on, referee incompetence, just couldn't get going. But um, yeah, completely agree with that. And one thing I do want to point out about Swindon, um, I, I do really love... Edo Rubio's passion on the touchline. Even when we were, four, I noticed when we were four 0 down, he is still knees bent, clapping as hard as he can, cheering the players on. Which offers to his left hand side, arms crossed, um, silence. It's that passion that you need on the touchline. All well and good if we win a game in the last minute, then yeah, Choffy runs on and celebrates with the players. Absolutely fine. That's lovely to see. But it's when we're down and when we're struggling, you need players with the same passion as Edo Rubio has on the touchline to be screaming at the team, we can still get something out of this game. Even if you get a goal back or two goals back, it pushes you better into the changing room, into the next game. Um, his passion is incredible. Love the guy. Yeah, totally agree. And my, uh, my second bit of uh, opinion as well, at the end of the game, I mean, at the beginning of the game, sorry, uh, fans were told, don't go onto the playing surface. You know, we're going to risk a fine. At the end of the game, everyone goes onto the pitch. Even Crawley fans go onto the pitch. When your team's lost, like, why? Just go home. Just go home. Like, don't go onto the playing surface. And our, even after Bruce announced over the Tannoy, please get off the playing surface, people still were on there and still trying to charge towards the opposing fans. Like, why? Something that's really, really sad, actually, I think, is uh, after the game, I didn't see it, obviously got in the car and went home, but there was a comment on Facebook, and a lot of people have mentioned it on different forums as well, that uh, after the game, I'm just going to read out this comment from Facebook, and it says, to the group of 10-year-olds waiting by the new moon for Colchester, you're a disgrace to this club, you're not proper fans, F off back to supporting Millwall or West Ham or whoever you support, you are not one of us. Um, what a little bunch of idiots. And I heard this a bit on social media as well, that apparently, generally speaking, I know this wasn't the case because sometimes uh, there were some turnstiles that were, were quite blocked. And so there were a lot of fans and so people came in late. But generally speaking, I saw uh, some fans saying, some diehard fans who go week in, week out, saying that there were some new faces who were basically not interested in the football, just getting up continuously throughout the game, moving back and forth, getting pies, getting food, and all that kind of stuff, and just generally being just not with the game. Yeah, I fully support, when we have a big game, you need all the new fans there, but uh, you don't need those little knobs, dear. Um, but hey, hopefully a lot of people that did come to the game and have been to this cup run do stick around and do stick, keep supporting the team in the league, because that's exactly what we need. It wasn't a great performance the last two games. If I'd come to Colchester last night, my first ever Crawley game, I don't think I'd be coming back regularly. Um, but fingers crossed they had a good enough of experience throughout the last sort of month or two to um, to uh, come and join us again. We hope they do. Yeah. And so I guess final point to leave this on is, well, four points from the last six games in the league. Not very nice to hear. But should we be sad for not getting through to the next round of the cup or should we be thankful for how far we've got um i think we're thankful for how far we've got it's been unfortunate that we couldn't get a big money game really disappointing that um and to be honest fa cup starts in two weeks we'll forget about this fairly soon if you have an fa cup run nobody will 
remember too much the, the heartbreak of going out the way we did. It will just be remember, remember when we got to the fourth round. Um, yes, poor performance. Let's get over it. Try and kick on. But we've got a lot more to talk about um, that coming up. Right, so on to the fixtures coming up and seeing what's uh, going to be facing the Reds in November. Well, first up is Cambridge this coming weekend. Travel to Cambridge, of course. It's an away fixture in the league. I'm going to hope for a win against Cambridge. They've recently come off uh, losing against Salford. Need a win. Yes, and we need a win as well. And I'm hoping that because we've had these recent losses that Crawley will really kick into gear and, and try their utmost hardest, give it a all for 90 minutes. Scunthorpe then is the visit to the People's Pension Stadium in the FA Cup. Massive game that because I think people are going, the, the feeling is now it's another season where it's just going to be mid to low table obscurity. Is the FA Cup our last chance for something glorious? Of course, there's loads of times to go in the league, but it's just going in that bloody direction again where good start, all exciting. Oh yeah, we're crawly, we're not that good. Um, so fingers crossed and Scunthorpe are even worse than us at the moment I think they're 20th or something like that um, so great chance for a win and it's lovely having an FA Cup game at home as well it feels like it's been ages since we've had a good FA Cup game at home um, but an FA Cup game at home something to look forward to still cup wise and then oh my god the EFL trophy um, can we just forfeit that <laughs> I mean yeah we, we haven't really got much hope of going further either do we have to beat Oxford I think we have to beat Oxford 9-0 and some of the results go our way as well. And I, in the nicest way, I don't see us beating Oxford um, just because of the, the passion that's been shown in the previous matches in this competition. Should we guess the attendance? Well, yeah. We're already, let's say we're already out pretty much. I'm going to guess 284 people go to the Oxford game. I'm going to go for 635. What? what are you on about? <laughs> including away fans. Bloody hell. <laughs> Nothing to do on a Tuesday night. Um, and then we have two two home league games in a row to finish out November. How important those two games, Morecambe and Exeter. There's no easy Morecambe games. in the relegation zone as well. Yeah, um, So, and but then, then Exeter. Right up there in second at the moment. God, if we lose to Morecambe, that would be absolutely horrific, wouldn't it? So apart from Cambridge on in uh, a few days' time, there's then no league game for 16 days after that. Mm. Um, so it's a bit of a wait. God, I, I can't guess where this is going. I want to be really positive and say, come on, we can get sort of six points out of those nine. But then deep down, I think, oh, I don't know. I think I'll probably take an FA Cup win. And uh, I'm going for two wins, a win against Cambridge and a win against Morecambe and a loss against the others. And a win against Gunthorpe in the Cup. I was going to go for a loss against Gunthorpe. Were you really? Yeah. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I should be a little bit more positive. I did make these predictions last night after watching the cup exit, so maybe True. I was a little bit too harsh. Well, fingers crossed for a win in the cup, six points out of nine, and who cares about the EFL trophy? So we move on to the big question, Ewan, and this is, uh, I think, becoming my favourite section of the podcast, especially today's, because we revisit the old question of essentially stick or twist with Gabriel Choffey. Choffey in, Choffey out. And, well, the scores are in at the moment. There is still three hours left to go at recording time, but I presume it won't be changing too much. 175 votes, 33% go with stick, and 67% have gone with twist. 
And there are some comments as well to go with this, which justify some of those uh, statistics a little bit more, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise at all. One thing to note, one one observation is that when we put the poll out, I think I put it out about half ten last night when I got home, and very early on, it was sort of 80% twist, 20% stick. And I think overnight and into the morning, people have mellowed ever so slightly because the stick has just grown ever so slightly, but it's still a clear two-thirds majority have had enough, get rid of the guy, but they're still a very loyal 33%. Uh, the comments, as is natural, the negative comments come to the fore and the people that stick tend to sort of keep quiet and calm about things. So let's have a look at the comments that came back on Twitter. We will start with Matt Howlett. He said, big questions need to be asked, re-allowing Smith, Payne, Palmer race, the midfield experience engine to go out on loan when we are clearly missing leaders in the team. Totally agree with that, Matt. Uh, Mark, Portugal the Mark said, his subs are odd, yes. We are desperate for a Virginia back ASAP. Still uncertain on our defensive capabilities, but we are a small club at the end of the day. Are we being greedy? And Matt Colburn said, it's not the players. We have some of the best young potential in League Two. Uh, Matt Howlett again said, Chioffi tactics is to lump it long to Bloomfield, who can't hold up a traffic jam. Something noticeable <laughs> is true. In the last two games, we're knocking it long. The guy, it's like he's got a big spot on his forehead that he doesn't want to hurt. He doesn't want to get the ball anywhere near his head. It's really odd. It is uh, non-league football, isn't it? Lumping up the pitch. And frustrating as well. Uh, John Lucy said, chasing the game and in need of a goal, what does the Italian do? Replace Cissé with Young rather than bring on another forward. Tactically inept. A&G was on the bench as well, but he swapped out. Cissé for Young. I don't get it. Um, Steve83 said, why are there still people saying stick? We've tried the under-21, under-23s managers to the coach to their coach in a higher league it's not working we need an experienced manager that knows the leagues okay yes he has contacts but that not enough we need a manager to manage and not offload players James Turner said I would give him three games and if we are as bad as the last two matches he has to go those next three games are important as well um, FA Cup game in there as well uh, Roy Savage said I'm sorry but it's time for a change strange team selections even worse substitutions and our captains treated appallingly we need a decent manager and Jimmy's back and Jimmy back before it's too late we said earlier he's not coming back if Choffy's still here apparently um, who would you rather have Jimmy Smith or Gabriel Choffy Jimmy Smith. Yeah, I think we all agree on that. Or we we oh, <laughs> we all, as in you and I. Uh, Neil Hobbs said, decision-making in the past month or so has been shocking. Experienced players being loaned out when clearly uh, needed and changes during matches either too late or just baffling. Without the cup run, which has been great, your poll would be who is going to replace him. Um, Tinpot on Proud. He said, and he was the first person to vote. So it was 100% twist and he said end the poll which I thought was quite funny and then the last two comments uh, Dan Palmer this is I think tongue in cheek he said it will all be fine Salima said before that we'll be top eight this season what is there to worry about lads <laughs> like your humour and Ben CTFC he didn't leave a comment he just left a photo of a bin on fire <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was very very good um, so as I said, it, it's although it's seven, although it's like two thirds to one third out to in. It is ninety percent of the comments are uh, very, very um, negative. But we know that there's people that are passionately out shout louder than those um, try to to remain. 
So a couple of things to pick up on that I just want to point out before we go into our opinions and round this out, Jonathan. After the game, did you see the interview with Gabrielle Choffey? I have not. Okay. The thing that's really ruffled people's feathers is that you hear Salim. We haven't heard from Salim for a while, but we've always heard from Salim. And his famous quote is, top eight guaranteed, this team will compete. And when we had our interview with him in the summer or the end of last season, he was saying the same thing. This team's going to compete, top eight guaranteed, um, and something about wingers. <laughs> <laughs> and um, last night, Gabriel Choffe in in two interviews, because he did an interview with D3D4 as well, and I met them yesterday, lovely, lovely guy. Uh, but in his interview, he said, our main target now this season is 50 points. Survival. Wow. So you've got the, what's Salim's title? Director of football? Something like that. So you've got the director of football saying, top eight guaranteed, this team's going to compete. Your manager is saying, survival is our main target. Okay. Yes, I, I think I did see something about this on social media and I, someone made the point of it, it depends upon what his target is versus everyone else's target. But also, is he just saying that to cover his back and is really he actually you know, wanting to make it higher, but in reality actually thinks survival is the bare minimum that he's got to hit? The fans have gone home fuming because you've just shipped seven goals in two home games, right? Why are you going to piss them off more by saying our main target is 50 points? Yeah, no, Surely point. you're. Uh, I don't mind Salim saying what he does because he's being ambitious and you've got to have somebody at the top being positive. I mean, realistic is somewhere in between. I'd say probably 10th to 12th. 10th is probably realistically a good ambition for Crawley. So top eight and we'll compete. Fine. He's got to say that. But when your manager comes out after two wins in 12, out the cup to a dire performance, shocking performance against Swindon, and he says... Our main target's 50. What? It is a little bit confusing, isn't it? Especially if he said it in more than one interview. He said it in two, because like I said, the D3, D4 afterwards, they put out their message earlier. And um, he said, again, 50 points is um, what they're going for. And as a Crawley fan, it's like, oh, I don't know what to expect anymore. What, what are we striving for? We're constantly getting these sort of young players in, trying to develop them, sell them on, get more of a budget. We've just missed out on potentially half a million quid because nobody bothered to turn up apart from Danny Bowman last night. Um, and then your manager, uh, you you watch the game and it all looks flat, no desire, no passion. And you expect the manager to come and not just defend his players, but say, we can still do this. We can still get top 10 in the league. We've got the FA Cup coming up. Come on, we can do this. We had a great cup run. Let's have another great cup run. No, survival. That's our main target. It does make you Amazing. think what his team talks are like as well at half time. Uh, if Nobody ever looks if, motivated. No, and if he has that lack of passion in front of the press, I mean, I can only imagine that there is probably a lack of passion behind the doors as well for his team. Um, and something you've got to laugh at now, in our in our last podcast, we read out a quote, because during the last podcast, everything was going really well. We were on a fairly good run. It was just starting to slide, but we were on a fairly good run. And we're still in a good position. Even like 17th September, two weeks before the last podcast, at half-time versus Plymouth, we were third in the table. I was 17th. And I completely get really three points off 10th. So it's maybe not as bad as it looks, but still. But Gabriel Choffey said, um, we pointed out in that last podcast, um, I think this was after the Stoke game. He said, "We quote, we never have the feeling of giving up. It's in our DNA to be strong. No, it's not anymore. It's, it's gone. I don't see anybody not not giving up. Everybody seemed to give up after we conceded that equaliser. Um, there's no fight because there's nobody leading it on the field. 
Yeah, and also I think there's some, something tactically they need to work on too. For instance, Crawley yesterday, after they conceded that first goal, what they do is they sit back and, and get ready for the next waiver attack to happen. Well, as soon as they get the ball, they either hoof it upfield or they try and make a pass forward, get to the halfway line and then give the ball away there and then sit back again and wait for the next wave of attack and play that out for 20, 30 minutes. You're going to start getting tired because all you're doing is defending and having to be, you know, concentrating the whole time. And that's that's not working. And that's what is ultimately causing Crawley to concede goals. They're not allowing their defence to have a breather by taking the ball up to the opposition's final third. And tactically, I think Chioffi needs to maybe look at that. So it, I think it was the end of last season, or start of this season, or end of last season was the last time we had the real sort of Chioffi 8 brigade coming out, okay? And I was on board with that as well. I was in the Chioffi 8 come, but absolutely was. Because we had, was it three wins in 23? It was a horrific start. Like yeah, and people stood by him, and that's absolutely fine. But it was about 80% out. And then start of this season, absolutely fantastic. Uh, we didn't even bother doing a poll because we know it would be heavily in his favour because he's turned things around. But now we are back to... Seven goals conceded in two home games, two wins out of 12. Our senior players either leaving or being out on loan. I don't see how this can get back to what we had at the start of the season. This is just where it feels like we're halfway through, painfully, another like 20 game uh, stretch where we win two or three games. So what's your opinion on this then? What's your, what would your answer be to the big question? <sighs> it would be, right. When people were refusing to say out at the end of last season, the argument was that he's not, it's not his team. He inherited Harry Kewell's team. Um, but then he had January, okay? He's had a summer, so he's had two transfer windows. That's what the people that were saying stick with him, stick with him wanted. He's had those now. Yes, we had a great start. He's built a, a, a massive backroom team with statistics, analysts, analysts, etc., etc. We've had that early season buzz where it's great, fantastic. Third in the league at one point, doing well in the cup. But it feels like we're back to that. This is almost like the, the baseline of what is to be expected and normal without those sort of new signings and new manager buzz. When a new manager comes in, had a really nice time, new players come in, had a good time, but this is it settled at. I think this is what we've settled at. Two wins in 12, horrific home form, no players showing passion, arguably some of our best players out on loan and some of them don't even want to come back. Last night, going into the game, I was on the fence because I thought, well, I'm not going to just chop and change, but I'm, I'm, I'm always, I always tend to be in and with the majority. And I, I just can't see how we get out of this right now. I can't, the way he speaks in interviews, he's so boring. So boring. What's he like at half time? When a, when a team are like 2-1 down, like 2-0 down at half time to Swindon. What is he like in the changing room? Is he going mental or is he, uh, uh, we, we can still do this? What, what is he like? You don't want that. You want somebody shouting their ass off. Like, not a lot of people particularly like Steve Evans as a person, but my God. He got it, the best out of his players. He got the best out of yeah. that dressing room every single time. And yes, sometimes he was on the touchline about to have a heart attack. But we won games and we won games and we won games. It's all well and good having a nice guy in the cha in the changing room as a manager. He's a lovely bloke. I love the guy. He's, he's so kind and friendly. And when you go and talk to him, he never gets angry, he never shakes. He's just a nice guy. That isn't going to get us top eight in the team in the league where Celine wants us. Especially when we're coming into this part of the season now where you've really got to dig your heels in and, and push through this, it's this really tough winter period. Um, 
my opinion on this as well. Well, you all know that I famously stayed on the old Chioffe Inn bandwagon. Uh, well, you can't call it a bandwagon because it wasn't the, the go-to popular thing to do. Sorry, my apologies. I think I'm changing to the Chioffe out. What? I know. What? I know. I know. Please don't don't keel over. You're going to have to get rid of that Chioffe tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I... Would give him still to the January transfer window, I think. Would you give him that window, though? That That's the problem. Would you give so him the window? I think if the form going up to January was as poor as it's been in the past few games, no, I'd sack him right at the beginning of that so that a new manager can come in, make use of that window and, and plough on. If, however, he you know, shows a little bit of signs of, of turning things around, form starts to go up a bit, we maybe start progressing in the FA Cup a little bit more. And more importantly, the tactics on the pitch seem to have changed a little bit more positively. I would be tempted to give him that window as well and, and see you know, what we can do pushing forward into the new year. Yeah, that, that would be my opinion. Jonathan, Jonathan Chappell is Chioffi out. Is that official? Yeah. You Bloody hell. <laughs> I might do a live tweet update and let people know. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's we've ha- he had the massive long run where it was awful, and he was given time. The time hasn't worked, um, and we're now in the middle of another long, horrible drought that could go on for who knows how long. Um, yeah, I I am with you. I am with sixty seven percent. I'm say time up. He's had a year. He's had two transfer windows. It is not working. Let's get somebody else in. And in Broadfield Buzz, I think I might have the man. Well, it's your favourite time of the podcast, you, and I really can't believe we've got to it already. Broadfield Buzz. It is Broadfield Buzz. I'm going to go straight into what I was referring to at the end of the big question section. Um, it was a little bit in jest because I didn't realise, I found out, I did some research today, um, Eastbourne Borough, they're in trouble, financial trouble. Um, they put a statement out on their website recently that they need to fill a £40,000 shortfall next month. Okay, So in part of doing that to, to free up some money, they've gotten rid of their manager who was um, Lee Bradbury, I think. Yes, it was Lee Bradbury. And guess who stepped in as player manager versus Hemel? Surely it can't be our favourite man. It was Sergio Torres. He stepped in as player manager for the first time ever and they got a 1-1 draw with Hemel Hempstead. Surely he's going to be costing them way more money. He's got to be on the big buck, surely. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) But but he's the big Sergio. I don't think anybody's on big bucks at Eastbourne Borough. Um, But this is the exciting bit. If you are a budding manager, okay, Eastbourne Borough are looking for a new... It's a part-time role, first team manager, okay? This is from their website. It's expressions of interest and CVs are invited to, write this down, chairman at ebfc.co.uk with a closing date of noon of Friday, the 1st of November, 2019. Do you want to be a manager in the non-league south? If you do, email that So you just address. need to be a budding manager. So maybe like you could have some experience off like FIFA or something because I, I quite fancy my chances on FIFA. Have a, have a go. I've taken Get your Crawley, application I've in. I've taken Crawley's hand to the Premier League, I'll have you know. This is serious. Yeah, they're in trouble. They need a cheap manager. <laughs> they need a cheap, good manager. Um, so, hey, I don't think we're going to be seeing Sergio anytime soon um, other than in the uh, stands. But, hey, it was, it was a nice... It was a flash of inspiration. Yeah, it, was a, yeah. it was a romantic moment I had in my head for a second. Right. Next uh, piece on Broadfield Buzz. Let's get serious again. The 
pre-match PA soundbite before the games now, Jonathan. Uh, we discussed this at Swindon. It is awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't really know how to go about saying this. If you haven't heard it, basically, pre uh, the players coming out onto the field when they like to play you know, con uh, commercial sort of pop music, they've now inserted as their final section a, uh, a bit of a mashup of uh, Crawley Town commentary clips. I I'm shaking my head just thinking about it. Yeah, um, I think the bit that we're kind of shaking our head about is the fact that it's, in the nicest way, pretty poorly edited. Um, you can't hear what's going on sometimes, and also a lot of it is just, Whoa! <laughs> oh, ball <laughs> uh, It's really good. all you get. <laughs> um, I mean, I get the principle, and I think if you did it right, it could work really, really well, but it's been executed so badly. I mean, executed is probably quite a suitable word. The the <laughs> editing, I'm uh. sorry who did it. It is appalling. It is quite, it, it's five seconds of silence followed by, it's a goal! Repeat eight times. <laughs> Just, we'll edit it for you if you want to. Um, Again, the principle is there. It's a lovely idea. It's been done so... It's been massacred. It could be really good. And I think the idea of it is to build anticipation, build want for the crowd to cheer their team on. But really, for me, it does the opposite. It just makes me laugh. It builds confusion. I think, what is going on? <laughs> um, even, even our intro to the podcast, that's just your commentary, my commentary, and a bit of professional commentary. Yeah. I think that's, that's edited all right. Um, Thank you. That sounds quite nice. <laughs> But no, it's just, it, it's confusing. Just the, the, the seconds of silence in between each one. Um, and on the point of the sound system, very quickly, last night at the, at the cup game, sounds like the sound system has, uh, has suffered another heart <laughs> attack. <laughs> it, it is really distorted again. I'm not kidding. When the third goal went in, it sounded like a car was starting. <laughs> and we're all getting ready to go. It was like <laughs> yeah, I did hear that as well. Um, Right, but we'll move on. Um, right, we're out of one cup, but don't worry, FA Cup ticket sales are on sale. Um, so an update, our Emirates FA Cup first round tie against Scunthorpe will take place 9th of November, 3pm, that's a Saturday. Admission prices, I think they're identical to the Caribbean Cup, £10, £5 and free for children. Um, but Under not, 11. But not those little little bastards that uh, want to stand outside the, blue, the full moon. Um, they can they can do one. <coughs> um, tickets for this game they go on sale October the thirty first. That is tomorrow. The podcast will be out by then. I won't be out by then. Um, and general sale starts on November the fifth. Season tickets is thirty first of October. Okay. Um, right. At last episode we had an exclusive update on the training ground. We were very excited about it. Um, and. Then it got scuppered, didn't it, on social Hong media? Hong Kong Paul came along and pissed on our bonfire because 20 minutes after releasing the episode, he came out with a much better, articulate, longer, more interesting update. <laughs> so our exclusive didn't last very long at all. Um, but it was very exciting update, okay? So very briefly, the update, if you haven't seen it on Twitter, because I know a lot of you aren't on Twitter, the update is this. Um, there is uh, interested parties, um, tender applications close late November. So I assume ours is in now. Tenders should be, uh, uh, sorry, applications open November, 
close December. In January, the council meet with the applicants to look at proof of funds and make a decision after that. There's only three sports groups, this is good, who have, have expressed an interest, and the other two would actually rather partnership with us um, to get that going, which is great. The pitches are two grass, one synthetic, going to cost about two million quid. We could get maybe half a million quid in grants. We could easily make do with the current building, but it would be nice to add a gym and a coffee shop extension. That's a diversifying, new income, great idea. Property would need to be fenced off and have staff. Um, last one, this project isn't just about CTFC. It would be great for all of Crawley community. I love the town. It reminds me of where I grew up. Good pubs, great people. Local women's football will go to the next level with this project as well. Hashtag Crawley. Much better than our update. And exciting. Yeah, no, very, very exciting. And um, when I read that as well, I was very excited about the, the idea of investing in the community there as well. Uh, it's great to see a club caring about its surroundings and not just uh, investing in itself either. Yeah, lovely stuff. Um, so we will try and keep you up to date as best we can. But to be honest, if you're on social media, then you're going to be just as updated as you need to be. Um, right, slightly different tone now. There was a situation yesterday. I'm not going to give any names at all, but I just want to run through the situation in case you haven't seen it. There is a Crawley fan, right? Been a fan for decades, of the, literally decades of the football club. His father has been a fan and very much in heavily involved in the football club for decades before that as well. Um, you, you, if you see them, you know them around. Um, and I got up early yesterday. Well, I, sat, I got up early yesterday. I was up at seven o'clock. Oh, get you. <laughs> um, and um, because of the game yesterday, I knew for, I'll get on Twitter, just get on top of any conversations and make sure we're involved and sort of um, just see what's happening. Just keep, keep involved. Um, I was really sad and shocked to see a tweet by this particular long-term fan. Um, and it, you know on social media where people are generally, not generally, but people can be very negative and downhearted and sort of um, put, put, put negative spins on things quite easily. This one was different. And it was almost, I, I hesitate to use the word sort of suicidal, but it was using terms like, um, this world isn't for me. Um, I don't know what comes next. Um, I've, I've done everything I can. Really panicked me a little bit because I, I know I know the guy all okay um, and I hesitated for five minutes because I didn't really know what to do and do you get involved in that situation or or do you wait for somebody else to get involved like I think most of us probably do unfortunately um, but I thought with the platform we've got as the podcast I thought let's try and maybe not solve the situation but raise some awareness and let the fan know there are people out there that are seeing what he's writing, thinking about them and trying to do something about it. They're not completely utterly alone because there were several tweets that he'd sent over the last 24 hours with, with no comments, no likes, no nothing. I wanted him to know that somebody was at least listening to him. Okay, So I retweeted one of the comments and I said um, uh, he, he was looking for a job is the what co the crux comes down to. But um, it's more than just looking for a job. I think he had 4,000 applications and no job and he reached the end. Okay, So I put, put a message out saying, um, this, this guy's been a fan for decades. If anybody knows of any local jobs, um, please get in touch ASAP. And I thought, oh, should I leave it at that? Not too sure. Because um, again, it uh, if, you re if you went and read the tweets, you, you'd see why I was sort of panicking um, or, ever so slightly but then I thought I need to give this more exposure um, so I got in touch with 
Paul, Hong Kong Paul, and I just asked, I rang him in the morning, don't know what time it was over there, probably in the middle of a nightclub somewhere. 3am. Yeah, maybe. Um, gave him a call quickly and just said, look, can you give this tweet some love, just give it some attention? Um, and that's kind of how I left it. I just sort of teed it up and I knew Paul would knock it out of the park. And my God, not just did Paul knock it out of the park, everyone got involved. And what I love... And it, it comes back, one of the reasons I love doing the podcast, it's not just about football, it is about us, the Crawley community, coming together when we've got something to strong and passionately to talk about and think about, okay? So this guy had had 4,000 job applications, never even had an interview, going on for years, this. Um, within an hour of us putting that tweet out, the Crawley social media community had, in one hour, got him three job applications or three job offers and within two hours he'd got a job at Crawley Town Football Club. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. Um, so, uh, absolutely massive credit to Paul, everybody that got involved, people that retweeted, people that liked it. Um, just incredible. I, I am so happy that not only has he now got a job and he's put another tweet out since saying, thank you so much, I was in a really dark place, thanks for all your efforts. But it's just, it's not just about the football. And I spoke to Paul later on again today, because I know he's spoken to the to the chap involved to give him like a bit of a pep talk, I think. And he, he pointed something out really significant. You could look at yesterday and the cup loss and go, what a crap day. That is shocking. Yesterday, we, we've potentially not just saved somebody's life, we've given them a new one as well and potentially a whole new future. So yesterday wasn't a bad day. Yesterday could be one of our most proudest days as a football club in recent history if if w what we think may have happened was going to happen, might have happened. Um, yesterday, we lost, we went out of the cup. Yesterday was a great day. Yeah, no, it, incredibly so. And I think more more things like this should be highlighted as well and, and hopefully through speaking about it now it's gonna highlight it and, and like you said, Ewan, when we first started this podcast, it, it was wasn't just about the football, it was about creating a community, bringing us all together and, and it's just so um heartwarming to see things like this actually happening and uh, it, it's not uh, just I'm not saying it's it's our uh, work that's that's made this happen, it's everybody's work that's made this happen and it's just f fabulous to see and I believe there's gonna be a BBC article being written about this as well that's going to hopefully raise more awareness about um, the impact that local football clubs can have on, on their fans. Yeah, I think if we can get the consent of the, the fan involved, um, I know Paul spoke to the BBC today, I had a half an hour chat with a chap from the BBC just asking sort of my side of the story and, and basically I said, look, we teed it up, the fans knocked it out of the park we didn't really do that much other than raise awareness of it um, so uh, hopefully they can speak to a fair few people involved and again it's just it's not just about football it's about a community and one thing I said to the guy from the BBC on the phone was I spend more time sitting next to you Jonathan at games than I've spent with my mum and dad in the last few years okay it's that close and when we need each other, we've come together, we've proven it, and we should all be incredibly proud of what we achieved yesterday. Amen. Well said. And um, I've got one other thing for Broadfield Buzz, okay? Um, another sort of fan story. 
COGS founder Carol Bates is up for Vitality Grassroots Sportswoman of the Year Award and you can vote via the Sunday Times website. Links are all over Twitter and social, so I'm not going to read it out. But um, very quickly, what the, what the award is, it's the Vitality Grassroots Sportswoman of the Year Award celebrates individuals who have actively engaged with different groups of people within their community through sport. Again, it's Crawley, it's community, it's bringing people together. I'm so bloody proud of this football club sometimes it is incredible it's amazing and, and how long is that link open for for voting good question i voted today it was still open um we will find out and we'll we'll retweet it somehow and let you all know i'm sure it's open for a little while yeah yeah and really really do um get behind carol and back her for this because uh, she really does deserve all of the praise and recognition that she can get Well, you and I think that was an absolutely cracking Broadfield buzz. The best one, possibly, I think that we've done to date. And I think it would be a great place to end this podcast on. But just before we do, I think there's just a little bit of information from GH Coaches that you need to drop in about away travel. Yeah, we never go through an episode without uh, mentioning GH Coaches, the away travel. So the next two games coming up, we've got Cambridge. There are not too many away games coming up in the very near future. There's one versus Cambridge, which is Saturday the 2nd of November. So fairly short notice this one, 3pm kickoff. Um, oh, see, I'm reading from the website here. Change of plans f above for this game. Oh, that's because it's the Rugby World Cup final. They're watching that in the morning before going, they aren't they? They are watching the game in the morning at the stadium before leaving for Cambridge. That's right. Um, so it's 20 quid. Um, it will be non-stop both ways and we'll depart the stadium after the Rugby World Cup final. That's about half 10-ish, isn't it? I'm guessing there also. They're not going to leave in another time, not for you to get there in time. So go down, watch the rugby, support that, get on a bus with GH coaches and go and watch us turn over Cambridge. Um, the next game after that, because we've got several home games, uh, which is what we need. But then Stevenage, Saturday the 4th of December. We might have another podcast by then, who knows? Um, probably will. Uh, Stevenage, 4th of December, 3pm kickoff. Supporters coach departs the stadium at 10.30. Cost is 20 quid. Buffet stops on the way. Um, and after the game, travel straight back to Crawley. So any of those games, either of those two, um, get involved. You can always go on the ghcoaches.co.uk website or contact Alan or Patrick. They're all over Twitter and Facebook. You can find them easily um go and travel with them okay and i think we'll just close it there i think jonathan won't we yes i have to say i'm beginning to quite like these podcasts if i do say so myself hang on 17 episodes you're beginning to like <laughs> these podcasts i didn't want to seem too keen by saying i really love the podcast but i i do really love the podcast and All if right. you do let us know if you don't let us know maybe things that we can improve on maybe the feedback section will be even shorter in the next <laughs> episode. It's getting, we might even get rid of it if there's no feedback whatsoever but yeah let us know um how you get on um obviously today it was a slightly different podcast. We, we always try and keep things as positive as possible. Um, but if things aren't going our way, you can't you can't sort of put glitter on every piece of there. Thank you so much for listening uh, to this week's podcast. I've been Jonathan. You've been Ewan. Uh, and we'll see you again very shortly. See you very soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>